Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm Rabbi Daniel Goldfarb from the Conservative Yeshiva in Yerushalayim, and today we're starting a new tractate, Rosh Hashanah. So we're on page two of Rosh Hashanah. It's the eighth in the order of the Mishnah Moed, the uh, Seder, the order, uh, which of course is about the holy occasions, Shabbat, Yoma for Yom Kippur, Psachim, Sukkah, etc. In this sense, Rosh Hashanah seems perfectly normal as we continue from one holiday to the next, not in chronological order, but in the general Talmudic arrangement of moving from the longest to the shortest, shorter tractates. We should note at the start several points which make this tractate Rosh Hashanah special. First of all, the holiday Rosh Hashanah is special because it is only called that in the Mishnah, long after the Torah. In the Torah, it is called Yom Truah, a day of sounding or blowing, and Yom Zikaron Truah, a day of the memorial or the memory of sounding or blowing. The Torah does just, thus hints at the shofar, the key symbol of Rosh Hashanah, but there is nothing in the verses to suggest that it is the new year or that it's a day of judgment, nor does the Torah suggest any thematic relation uh, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which today we call Aseret Yemei HaTshuva, the ten days of penitence or tshuva, and the process of internal introspection and tikkun, correction, we are supposed to undergo at this period. The first day of the seventh month, as it is known in the Torah, is upgraded significantly in the rabbinic period. And two key points, that it is A, the new year of the Jewish calendar, and B, that uh, on it, all God's creatures are recorded for judgment for the coming year, are stated first in the second Mishnah of our opening first parak, two weeks from now, on page 16. So Marasechet Rosh Hashanah is special in that it pours more content in terms of liturgy and philosophy and values into the biblical framework than happens with any other holiday. Secondly, the tractate Rosh Hashanah deals not only with the particular date and holiday involved, but with the Jewish calendar as a whole. A good portion of the tractate deals with the multiple Rosh Hashanahs we have during the year and how we determine when the months and years begin and, when necessary, we add a 13th leap month. This is probably as good a place as any to say some words about the Jewish calendar. In general, history shows that the calendar is very often not merely an administrative tool the governing authority uses for enabling orderly life between it and its citizens, or amongst the citizens themselves, as important as that may be. Calendars have often been expressions of sovereignty, independence, and ideology. One of the first acts of the French revolutionary government was to institute a totally new calendar, which was adopted in 1793 and remained in force for 12 years. It dated 1789 as year one of liberty, indicating a whole new beginning, and created 12 months of 30 days each, three weeks of 10 days to a month, 
five extra complementary days, national holidays, were added at the end of the year, uh, in mid-September. Interestingly enough, the French Revolutionary calendar, like the Jewish calendar after, after the rabbinical shift from Nisan in the spring to Tishrei in the fall, started the new year around the time of the fall equinox. The Soviets introduced dramatic calendar changes for about a decade, from 1929 to 1940, at first adopting a five-day week. There were 72 of these, plus five extra days to keep up with the solar. And then they switched to a six-day week. This gave five weeks for each 30-day month, with the hopes of maximizing agricultural and industrial productivity. Both the French and the Soviet calendars failed, not because of a loss of, ide of faith in the ideology, but because even in the late 18th century, commerce and banking, not to mention the official relations between the countries of Europe, were so extensive and interconnected that France and later Russia were unable to juggle two different calendrical systems at the same time. In short, globalization has suppressed the potential of the calendar to be an expression of particularism anymore whatever the motivation. But Judaism knew the importance of the calendar long before the French or the Soviets. Rashi's opening comment on the Torah, Genesis 1, is that the Torah should have begun with the verse Exodus 12 to, this month shall be the first of the months for you, because, Rashi says, this is the first commandment given to Israel. The Torah should have started here, but for reasons he and others give, they chose to tell the stories of creation and the forefathers first. Tractate Rosh Hashanah gives us insights into the nature of the Jewish calendar. As perhaps you know, based on that verse in Exodus 12, the Jewish calendar is primarily lunar. Each month begins with a new moon, and indeed, much of the first two chapters of Rosh Hashanah deal with the way the Beit Din, the court in Jerusalem in those days, would accept testimony and examine witnesses before declaring the new month, Rosh Chodesh. Such testimony was so important that the witnesses were permitted to violate Shabbat to report that they had seen the new moon and thus initiate the process of informing the Jewish world long before Facebook, Twitter, and WhatsApp. The Muslims, for example, use a purely lunar calendar, which is some 11 days shorter than the solar calendar of 365 and a quarter days. And as a result, their holidays start some 11 days earlier each year. But we can't do that because of Torah verses which declare that Pesach is to be celebrated in the spring, Chag HaAviv, and Sukkot at the time of the harvest, Chag HaAsif or Chag HaKatsir. These led the rabbis to require these holidays in their season and thus not be movable feasts like Ramadan. Thus the Jewish calendar is a shatnez, a mixture of lunar and solar, or lunisolar as the Encyclopedia Judaica calls it. The way of synchronizing the two is by adding an extra leap month roughly once every three years, or to be more exact, seven times in a 19-year cycle. The year we are in now, Tav Shin Ayan Dalet 5774, is such a leap year. We had two months of Adar before Nisan to prevent Pesach from falling in the middle of March before the spring equinox. What is interesting to note, and with this we'll close today, is that this particular lunisolar calendar is not unique to the Jews. In fact, it's also been used by the Chinese. It's also used by the Chinese, who use lunar months which begin on the new moon, and they add or intercalate, 
an additional lunar month seven times in 19 years. Both reflect the finding of a Greek mathematician named Meton in Athens in the 5th century before the Common Era, that 235 lunar months equals 19 solar years. Quite a remarkable finding considering that he did not have computers or smartphones or any other fancy equipment available to him in those days. Until tomorrow, Lahitra Ode. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.